Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we're closing out our current series, Knowing God, with the title of today's message being The Journey of a Thousand Miles. We pray you enjoy today's word. Well, good morning, everyone. Go ahead and give it up for God. Come on, if you're excited about God in your life, if you're looking forward to something that God wants to speak into your life, we should be excited. Today, before we get started, I want you to do something with me. You know, our words are powerful, and our declaration is important according to Scripture. So I want you to say this with me if you are expecting something from God. I want you to say, I have ears to hear, I have eyes to perceive, and I have a heart to receive the living Word of God. Come on, if you believe that, give it up for God. I pray that you mean that and that you are expecting something powerful. The Word of God is powerful. So over the last several weeks, we've been in a study on the subject of knowing God. And today we are wrapping up this series. And this is an important topic. This is an important study that we've been in because, look, the truth is this, that what we are after, or at least what we should be after, is not religion. Listen closely. We're not after religion. We shouldn't be after just simply information about God either. Our goal in our study of the scriptures and listening to teachings and seeking God should be one and one thing only. It's to know him personally. So know him personally. I want you to know that God is personal. He's up close and personal. And so today as we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you on the topic of the journey of a thousand miles. Now, I know for some of you, you hear that and an old saying comes to mind. It's the one that says the journey journey of a thousand miles begins with the... Okay, you are all young. I'm dating myself here. I'm feeling old now. It's the journey. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And that's a powerful, powerful statement. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of wisdom in this saying because it reveals an important truth about how we achieve the process of beginning and obtaining that which we hope to gain. It's the process process of starting, continuing on the journey one step at a time. And I'll tell you how that relates to knowing God. This is important because when it comes to knowing God, many people approach it from the standpoint of achieving a goal. You ever been around someone who says, I've been doing this for 40 years. Well, praise God. That's great. But you know what Paul said at the end of his life, when he was already old and he had ministered to countless people and he had seen great miracles, he says, I haven't arrived. He says, I haven't arrived. I'm still pressing towards the mark. And the mark that he was talking about was the mark, the, the crown of glory of knowing Christ in his fullness. And so for each and every one of us, it's important to go beyond just achieving the goal of knowing something about God, of reaching a certain place where we say, now I'm mature. Well, how many of you know we never stop maturing? Or at least we shouldn't, right? We shouldn't. And so what we're talking about here is, as opposed to just getting to a place or reaching a point, of destination, we should be enjoying the, the process of a personal and ongoing relationship with God. Does that make sense? So I want you to hear the words of Jesus. I don't want you to take my word for it because here at Church at the Bridge, we're not interested in giving you our opinions. 
We simply want you to consider the word of God. God's word is sufficient in itself to speak truth. And so listen to the words of Jesus as it relates to this topic in John chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 6 and 7. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to God. No one relates to God except through me. Watch what he says. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so, look, this is one of those verses that is commonly known and alluded to in Christian circles today. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's on Twitter, all over Twitter. People have tattooed themselves with this stuff. And I, look, I'm not knocking people with them, but I want us to stop to pause really consider the power of these words. What is Jesus saying when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life? See, knowing God, according to what Jesus says here, is about a personal relationship with him. When Jesus says, I am the way, you know what that word there means in the Greek? It means the journey. It, it literally depicts in the Greek a highway. It's a one-way road. It's the only way. And what he's saying is this, I am the way to a personal relationship with the Father. In other words, you can't do it without knowing and growing with Jesus. That's important. He says, I'm the truth. But what truth are we talking about? In the Greek, that word there literally refers to a complete revelation of who God is. What point is there? To be in a relationship, if you're not growing to know the person you're in relationship with, what point is there to being in a relationship with God, to pursuing a knowledge of God, if we're not growing in understanding who he is? If, it, if it's not that, then guess what we're doing? We're just doing what religion says. Just do what I say, change your behavior, conform your ways, and you'll be all right. But that is not relationship. That's behavior modification. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and then he says, not only does he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And not only does he say, I am the way and the truth. He says, I'm the life. And when he talks about the life, he's literally talking about the essence of life. What it's all about. And so it's something so much more than just saying, I'm following Jesus. It's about personal relationship with him. Listen to Isaiah 30, 21. And this is an important verse because this is God speaking to his people, Israel. To all his people. But the thing about it is that they're in a state of outright rebellion. They're not trying to hear God. They're doing their own thing. They're in captivity. And God is speaking directly to them. And he says, and your ears, in Isaiah 30, 21, he says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. And so in addressing their rebellion, get this, these people aren't even seeking God anymore. And God says this, I'm still the way and I'm still trying to show you which way to go. I'll tell you why that's powerful. Because while sometimes we might feel distant in relationship to God, while sometimes we may struggle to understand his true nature, while sometimes our minds may deviate or we may seek somewhere else, God is 
still faithful to walk with you and to say, I'm still here and I'm still trying to show you the way, the truth, and the life. While we may not seek a personal relationship with God, and I pray you're not there, but if you've been there, you can relate to this. If you are there, you understand what I'm saying. What I want you to see is this, or maybe you may get there at some point, and I pray you don't. What I want you to see is that God is still personal with you. Man, that's a good God. Man, that is an amazing God. And so... No matter where you find yourself, God is as near as the whisper of his name. He's walking with you and leading you. He's attempting to do that. The question is, will you listen to God's voice as he walks with you? As he's trying to relate to you. And so in the scriptures, in the book of Exodus, we have an example of the people of God who were on a journey to something better. Listen, these people had been stuck in a place Egypt for 400 years in slavery and God and, and, and the Bible says that one day they got real smart the wisest thing they did it says that one day they cried out to God and said get us out of this mess that's good that, that's good stuff right they turned to God but the thing about it is this that God answers their cry and he sends forth a guy named Moses who brings about this great deliverance and they, they have this miraculous manner in which they come out of Egypt and they're, they're, the Egyptians are destroyed and everything's great. They're heading towards a land that God told them would flow with milk and honey. It's a good place. But you know it's interesting as we're going to see here that while God says to them, I'm taking you on a journey to something better. What we see is, what we're going to see is that they were oblivious to God. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 16, to see what we can learn by their example about the journey of life while in relationship with God. Starting at verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. I want you to get this for a moment. Let me just take a rabbit trail real quick. And don't miss this point. They are lamenting and longing to go back to Egypt for the purpose of dying, but here's how they justify it. At least before we die, we'll have to meet. Do you see how far gone these people are? Do you see how ridiculous their belief and their understanding was? And so the Bible goes on to say that they, they said to, to Moses and Aaron, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Get this. They are grumbling, complaining. They do not appreciate. They do not value. They do not worship God. They're worshiping their stomachs. And look at God's response. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. Thus, the scripture says that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. 
We can't miss that. While these people are literally setting aside God, they are despising relationship with him. They're more concerned with their comforts and their wants. God is still concerned with them personally. Show it to you in a second. Look at the scriptures. Verse uh, 5, it says, On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and th that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, Evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking uh, to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the east and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Let me stop right here. I'm not going to read any further than this. Watch what he says. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I want you to see something. These people were concerned with filling their stomachs. They had no regard for God. But God completely regarded them. And his intent in providing for them went far beyond filling their stomachs. His intent was to show them that they would know that he is God who is in relationship with them. You know, the scriptures, in the scriptures, God says this, my covenant I shall not break. God says that he is not a man that he should lie. That what he has declared is like the rain that he provides for the sower who sows the seed. It will produce what it was sent for. It will not return to him empty. God is faithful, the scripture said, even when we are unfaithful. And the, the, the whole reason why I want you to see this is because this is the God that beckons us into relationship with himself. He says, before, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you and I even had a thought of God, God was already committed in relationship to us. That's a good God. And so it's important to know that these people weren't on a stroll by themselves. They weren't going for a walk. <laughs> These people were on a journey. But it was a journey towards something so much better that was full of the promises of God. They were on a journey with God. And the sad thing that we see here is that they were oblivious to it. They were oblivious to it. He was leading them because he cared for them and had good intentions towards them. Listen, these people saw the Red Sea part for them. They walked on dry ground. They watched their enemies completely destroyed. God told them, I'm leading you to a land of milk and honey. Wherever you go, your enemies will tremble against you. You will not have to fight. You just have to trust me and go where I'm taking you. They had had great, great, great experience with God. They had seen miraculous things. And here, what we see is this. That when they got a little hunger pain, 
when their throat got a little <clears throat> parched, they began to complain and long for what was behind them while attempting to move ahead. You know, movement doesn't, doesn't mean that we're accomplishing anything. You might be going somewhere in life, but if you're looking at it without God, if you're looking backwards, if you're lamenting where you were, if you're wanting to make something work that never worked and still trying to make it work, believing that somehow it's going to work, I've got really good news for you. It's not going to work. God has a better way. And so while God is completely good towards these people. They're complaining, they're agitated, they're greatly desiring to go backwards, thinking that it's going to take them forwards. And think about it is this, that when you're on a journey with God but don't know it, like they didn't, you'll find yourself going backwards while believing you're accomplishing something. How sad is that? And so upon closer review of this account, what we see is that the root of their dissatisfaction wasn't their hunger. The root of their dissatisfaction was a lack of desire to know God. Hmm. They deduced life to filling their empty stomachs instead of filling their hearts with a love for God. And so... These people were so intently focused on their needs that, and their wants and their comforts that they dismissed what God was attempting to accomplish in their lives from the start. Before they ever left Egypt, listen to what God said to them in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. Then I will take you for my people. My people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Look how personal God is. He says, I'm taking you as my own. You know, the scripture says that we've been grafted into the vine. Uh, that, that grafting process speaks of one that doesn't belong and shouldn't even be able to connect. And yet God brings you into the fold, calls you his own, adopts you as his own child, regardless of your past, regardless of your shortcomings, regardless of what you think you have to do for him. God loves you and he says, I'm the Lord your God. And I'm going to do something great in you. And so look, God was after personal relationship with them. And we can't miss this point. Because while we may read this story as Israel back way back then, thousands of years with Egypt, the truth is that this is our story too. God is seeking a personal relationship with you. With you. Not through a pastor. Not through a building. Not through a denomination. Not through what people tell you. God is up close and personal. And he's pursuing relationship with you. Do you know it? Do you know it? So for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to share with you a couple of things. I'm going to try and get through this, but we'll see where we go. I want to, I'm going to share with you some practical steps on the journey to knowing God as we close this series. And the first thing I want to say to you is that you should seek friendship over service to God. 
Seek friendship over service to God. Listen, the Israelites saw the journey to the land of promise as something to do and somewhere to go as opposed to someone to know. They had no interest in knowing God. They were cool with going to the land of promise. They were cool with God's provision. They were cool with the miracles. But we just want nothing to do with God. The scripture says that there comes a point where um, God used to speak to them directly from a mountain. And then one day the Bible says that they went to Moses and they say, you speak to him. And you tell us what he has to say. We, we don't want to hear from him. We'll do whatever he says. But we just, we just don't want to be that up close and personal with God. Do you know that after that point, the law was introduced and their demise came? They believed, we can do this with God from a distance. Can I suggest to you, matter of fact, can I go beyond a suggestion? Can I submit to you that relationship with God from a distance does not work? You don't believe me? For those of you that are married, try that for a week from your home. Honey, I'm going to go stay over here and you stay over there. Yeah, we'll see where that one goes. <laughs> and so look, for these people, it was a chore for them to go to this land of promise with God. They were just concerned and consumed with what they wanted. And the Bible says that they became like the hamster on the wheel. You know what I'm talking about? They kept running in place. Believing they were going somewhere. I'm just going to work a little bit harder for God. I'm going to just do this for God. I'm going to behave for God. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that they're walking around in a journey that theologians theorized was supposed to take them about two to three weeks. Took them 40 years. And they're walking around in one big circle. You know what's crazy about it? Nowhere in the Bible do we have record that anyone said, haven't we been here before? Do you see how blind they were? You know, the truth is that I think that we can all relate to the people of Israel in this regard because at some point we've all found ourselves back in a place that we didn't want to be in. And if we can be honest with ourselves, I'll tell on me, I've been there where I've done the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, the key to breaking the cycle of destructive areas in our lives, according to Scripture, is friendship with God. I'll prove it to you. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, verses 15 and 16. He says, I no longer call you servants. That tells us something about the disciples. They saw a relationship with Jesus from a very different vantage point from what he intended. The word servant there in the scriptures is the Greek word for slave. And a slave knows one thing to do. Follow orders. Follow the master. So watch what he says. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. God desires a mutual relationship with you and I based on this one thing, friendship. Friendship. 
It's easy to say this and even attempt to view it from this perspective. God's my friend. But have you ever paused to consider this, that God calls you his friend? His friend. See, what then is the difference between a servant of God and an intimate friend of God? The servant's role is this, to follow after God. You ever been there? I grew up in that church where we behaved our way into the kingdom, or so we believed, right? Where we dressed the part, we spoke the part, we even acted the part, we even held each other accountable to the part. And if you know what, we dropped the ball, here's what we didn't do. It wasn't love that covered a multitude of sin, it was, I'm putting you on discipline. It was shaming you in front of everyone for the purpose of leading you to a place of sanctification. That's not God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, the scripture says, to turn around. It's not law. It's not religion. It's not imposed uh, uh, beliefs and, 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 and doctrinal things that we make up as men. And so the difference between a servant of God and an intimate friend of God is this, is that the servant's role is to follow after God. I'm following God. I go to church, I sing some songs, I even read my Bible, I even make an attempt to change myself. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you saw in Scripture that we're called to change ourselves? When the Scripture declares that it is the Holy Spirit who quickens our mortal bodies. When the Scripture declares that it is the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth and shows us things to come. When the scripture tells us that it's his word that teaches us and corrects us and reproves us and instructs us and thoroughly equips us unto every good work. Where do we factor in in that process of making ourselves better for God? It doesn't work. And so what we see here is that a friend's role is to know fully and partake of God's plan. A friend has full access. You know, I have adult children, and I have my first grandson, and we have another grandchild on the way, and whenever they come over, here's what they don't have to do. They don't have to ask if they can go in the church. They don't have to ask if they can use the bathroom. They don't have to ask if they can eat from my table. They don't have to ask if they can stay there. You know why? Because they have full access. We're in relationship. It's when we doubt the love of God and the goodness of God that we approach God as if he's distant. You know what that looks like? God, here I am in all my piousness towards you, Lord. I worship thee. I'm not minimizing that, but let me tell you something. Whatever happens to if, if you and I are friends, do you approach someone and go, do you change the intonation of your voice? Do you speak more eloquently in order to impress them? No, it's like this. Man, what's up, brother? It's so good to see you, man. How you been, man? Tell me, how's, how's the family? Let me tell you what happened in my life. See, relationship removes the awkwardness. Relationship doesn't, doesn't force us to change who we are. Relationship says, come as you are, and let me show you who I've created you to be. Let me lead you to a better way, because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life that you've been seeking. The second thing I want to share with you here today as we begin to wrap up is this, is that relationship with God 
is a process. It's not a destination point. I'll tell you what I mean. The Israelites knew that God was taking them somewhere. They were cool with that. They just weren't interested in knowing who was taking them there. As a result, what we see from the scriptures is that they couldn't enjoy the journey with God. I want to take a quick moment here to ask you a question for personal reflection. Don't tap the person you're with. Don't answer it for someone else. Please don't be that person that says, you know what, i got to make sure that this person gets this message. <laughs> I want you to consider this. As it pertains to your relationship with God, do you see it as a something to get to, to achieve? Do you feel better about your relationship with God because you just simply read the Bible that day? Do you see yourself as, as in relationship with God because somehow you behaved in a certain way? See, while all those things are good, we're viewing relationship with God as something to do and not something to walk through with him. It's a process. It's a process. And so for the Israelites... While they were missing God, as a result, they couldn't enjoy the journey with God. And so if you desire relationship with God, you have to go deeper than they were willing to. We must appreciate the process of growing in relationship with God. Listen to Proverbs 1.5, the first half of verse 5. It says, a wise man will hear. The book of Proverbs is a book that is written and it, 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 it ascribes uh, the personality and the person of wisdom to God. And it gives us different aspects of the wisdom of God and it personifies God himself. And it says, a wise man will hear. But watch this. And will increase in learning. What we see here is this, that a wise man doesn't stop knowing. He doesn't stop at knowing godly principles. He doesn't settle for knowing what the Bible says. He doesn't settle for being able to quote certain scriptures in certain circumstances. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's something deeper that he's after. The wise man seeks to increase in his learning to the point that he knows the author of the scriptures. What good is it to know the Bible if we don't know God? You know what's the beauty about relationship with God as a process? That the more you think you know God the more you find out you don't. There's more to know. I will tell you this. If you've ever been in a relationship where every day it's the same, where you can expect the same, you can anticipate a response, you can anticipate what the agenda is going to be, what the schedule is going to look like, what, how we're going to talk or not talk to each other. If all you know is a relationship that's stagnant and stale in any area of your life with anyone, I will tell you this, while you may stay there for a while, eventually that relationship will end. And if you stay there, it'll end bad. It'll go bad. And here's what I want you to see, that God is so deep, so wide, so high. His love is so great that nothing can separate us to him. We would just go there to know him, to know him personally. What we would find is that every day there's something all along this journey of life, there's something more to discover 
about our good God. That's life-changing. The next thing I want to share with you here is this, that the journey to knowing God is your guarantee to restoration. Let's watch this short clip in this video as we close here today. We decided to renovate our entire house. I had no idea it was going to be this much work. Okay, okay, okay. We got to ask ourselves, WWJGD, what would Joanna Gaines do? Shiplap! We'll put it everywhere. Shiplap. 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 If you listen closely, you can hear an episode of Fixer Upper. Hey babe, how much longer before we have walls? How much longer before we have trim? How much longer before we have lights? How long are we gonna have a hole in our ceiling? How long before we have stairs? Babe, is this one for the sh I'm gonna go to Target. Uh-uh, babe, babe, this doesn't look right. Did you watch the episode of Fixer Upper I told you? Season three, episode nine. A young couple hopes for a home with old world charm. Do you need me to pull it up? Okay, guys, I know we're renovating, but can we please just try to keep things a little bit tidier? Where's the fridge go? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna need a bigger Norwex cloth. Babe, is this how far away the island's gonna be? Is that the right height? Babe, is this load-bearing or can we take out this wall? Is this, does this seem too far? I don't know, just open concept. Just open it up. That's not the right height. I'm just looking for a wall to take out because I know that's what Joanna would do. Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be nice. Okay, babe, what can I do? No, seriously, look, what so can I, I do? So I want to think about help. something. I'll tell you why I share this video with you. This is the video of a guy who calls himself Dude Dad. And what he's doing is he's giving a portrayal of his relationship with his wife in relation to the home that they have, right? And, and, and what he's portraying is that it's all about, you got to do this, you got to change this, you got to build this, and this doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and shouldn't you be doing this, and shouldn't you be doing that? And the thing about it is this, that the people of Israel saw relationship with God in that way. They viewed relationship with God from the standpoint where God was a burden, was burdening them to do something for him in their lives. But the Israelites did not understand God's love for them. He was leading them to a full restoration of their lives. Here's, here's the key here. Because remember, the point is that the journey to knowing God is your guarantee to restoration. And I've touched on this in a lot of different ways. I'm hitting this point home because I really believe that God wants us to see. But what he's saying is, in this relationship, I bring about the change. And I lead you to better places. You know, in the scriptures, Jesus was speaking to a people who were weighed down with life and he says to them take my yoke upon you he says because my yoke when you're joined to me he says it's easy and my burden it's light learn from me in Joel chapter 2 verses 25 and 26 listen to the words of God to his people, even to this day. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. You know what's interesting about that? Only God can do that. Because locusts, when they eat, 
they completely destroy. There's nothing left. There's no coming back from it. And God says, I am the God that will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. That the hopper, that the destroyer and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. He says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord. Watch this. Your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. The people of Israel were on a journey with God, but they lived blindly to the work that God was bringing about in their lives. He was taking them from a place of slavery, but more importantly, he was showing them his goodness so that they would, they would undergo a renovation process in their belief. Ladies and gentlemen, the onus, the burden of the change and the promises of God in your life rest on God. And your, process, your, your part and mine is this. It's to come into deep and personal relationship with him and discover what he has already done. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm your life. Trust me. Let's stand here today. Such a simple message. And yet, it beckons us to consider something so important and valuable to our lives. It calls us to a place where we consider that knowing God cannot happen without a pursuit of a personal relationship with him for the long haul. It's a process, day by day, step by step. I know you wish you were done and over with this part of your life. I know you wish that you, would, you could just break free from that. I know and you wish that, man, I wish this part would already change. and you grumble and you complain or maybe you just find yourself feeling dissatisfied. How could we be dissatisfied when the God of all creation is walking with us, living in us, leading us and still saying, go this way. I'm taking you somewhere. Hey Lord, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And we acknowledge this above all, Lord. We haven't been called into religious activity. We haven't been called to a performance-based approach to relationship with you. Father, we've been called into an intimate and personal relationship with you that leads us to this one thing, knowing God. Father, today with hearts open, with minds under a foot filled with understanding, with hearts that receive the truth that has been implanted in our hearts, Today we declare, Lord, we want to know you. Right here, right now, maybe you're watching us online right there. If that's your heart's desire, say that to God. God, above all, I just want to know you more. I want to discover the depths of your goodness, of your love, of your character, of your purposes, of your plans, of your heart. And God, I also accept and rest, and I rest assured in this, that Lord, you look past 
the outward man. You say you know the heart of man. Here we are, Lord, open to you, desiring to know you. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We commit, we pursue knowledge of relationship with you. And it's very possible that there's someone here today, or maybe you're joining us online, and you've never considered relationship with God. What you come to realize at this point, just in hearing what we've been discussing today, is that you've been doing relationship with God from a distance, or maybe you just haven't known relationship with God at all. But today, you find yourself desiring to know God. If that's you, here's what you need to know that God says. For I so love you that I gave my one and only son. I gave him to die, to pay the penalty for sin that you could not pay so that you could be free to accept the benefits of everything that he provided through it. He loves you and I that much. The Bible says that for God did not send his son to the world to condemn it. God's not mad at you. God's not pointing a finger at you. God's not judging you. God's not throwing thunderbolts at you. God is not even the author of your problems. He's the author of your faith. And he says, I didn't send my son to condemn you, but to save you. And to you believe that. If you believe that, pray that with us as we close today. Let's say this together with confidence. Jesus, I believe. You are the son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for me. Because you love me. Today I declare my Lord. My Savior and God, but above all, my friend. And from this day forward, I trust you. I'm pursuing you. And I'm walking on a journey of life with you. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we are celebrating life change in the hearts of people. Now, Father, we thank you for all you've done in Jesus Christ. We celebrate relationship with you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that today's message met you right where you are and that God spoke to you powerfully. If you're interested in staying up to date with previous sermons, new content as we go live, or just being up to date with anything and everything that we're doing, please take the moment to subscribe to our YouTube page. Please make sure also to turn on your notification setting on the YouTube channel so that that way you get notified whenever we're going live. Lastly, I just want to thank you for your partnership and I want to ask you to continue in partnership with us with your giving by giving at our website at ctbny.com backslash give or through our Church at the Bridge app. God bless and can't wait to see you again next Sunday.